This is Central Control. Stand by. Hello, is it me you're looking for? I hope so, because you downloaded it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. Hey, kids. It's uh, Transmissions from the Forbidden Planet. And it's the Hollywood Hullabaloo. (laughs) The Hollywood Hullabaloo. Oh, music to my ears. What is the Hollywood Hullabaloo, Derek? I'll uh, tell you, Tim, who just introduced me, Derek. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hullabaloo is where we break down some uh, headlines that's going on out there. Yeah. What's uh, going on in the entertainment world. We also talk about uh, our opinions on things we've watched Mm -hmm. maybe recently, movies or TV, stuff like that. All that shit. Well, and we... Life got in the way, and we took a three-month break, which we don't normally do, but here we are. We're back from the three-month break. That's right. So, thanks for holding out an extra month there. No our, problem. Our, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, that right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the, uh, uh, holding out an extra yeah, month. Yeah, thanks for waiting on us. Yeah, so... Tim has promised this is going to be the best show ever on his end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm already failing. Because <laughs> I wonder where you are. And I wonder what you do. Are you somewhere feeling lonely? The biggest hullabaloo in Hollywood right now is... Right now? Right now is the... Yeah, actor. the Barbie movie. It's a... No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Boo, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the actor strike. That's the Whoa. biggest news. The actors just joined the writers on the big strike, right? So that means in about a year... You and I aren't going to have anything to talk about on the Hollywood hullabaloo <laughs> yeah, as far right. as what's coming because th- there's going to be a shit ton of delays and right. uh, shit's getting kicked out because there's no work being done. And they're saying that it'll probably last until December-ish is what I'm reading. Yeah. And it might go even past that, so we'll see. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, you know, when you hear it broken down on a lot of different sides, if you've listened to any of this stuff, it's, it's pretty crazy what you do. You know. I'm like an actor as far as my opinions go. <laughs> and uh, I say rah rah siskumba for the strike and all that shit yeah. because the American life that we know and love today, which has holidays and weekends off and eight hour work days, all this cool shit. Children under 17 or 16 aren't allowed to work without. At all, you know, that whole thing, right? child labor, it's all because of unions and strikes. Right. And, you know, the political right has done their best in the last 40 years to take the steam out of unions and 
uh, and I think they're a very important part of what makes uh, uh, a good democracy. So absolutely, yeah, yeah, and I mean, especially with how, let's just say, in the last ten years, how the business of Hollywood has evolved into streaming yeah. and all of that stuff. There, obviously, no one's covering those actors on the back end for streaming services. Actually, not at these all. Stories, yeah. So on the back end of all of that, all these studios that run these streamers and these, you know, uh, uh, production houses and all that stuff—they're just like the rest of corporate America. They are their profits are, you know, their for their salaries are up oh, like four hundred and fifty percent. And right. so, and they're talking about how they can't pay actors while they're taking home like fifty billion dollars a year or whatever right. I'm, I'm exaggerating but right. so it's you know it's not fair it's not cool and uh there's only so many a-list actors and the, uh, the rest of the movies are filled with you know these character actors like you said or these background actors and all that right. stuff and they deserve a living too just like anybody else and yeah they have families and they need food and they need to and a lot of them end up doing I'm going to waiter on the side. I'll be a waiter on the side while I get parts for this or that or whatever, you know? And yeah. A lot's coming out about what, how bad it's getting. Like, I was telling you that I was reading this thing about how big studios now for new and up-and-coming actors, they're wanting to, oh, you're just going to be a background actor. Well, if you sign with us, then we'll scan you into our database as right. an AI-generated actor, and we'll give you a fee and then we can just use you and you only have one day's worth of work but we'll we can use you on multiple days and you won't have to put all that work into it but <laughs> what the bottom line to that is from what they're saying is that uh, sag is saying do not sign that because if you do that then that company owns your likeness so say that person signs that's a background artist an actor ends up going on to be uh, the next whatever tom cruise or whatever yeah. They will owe dividends because that studio owns licensing to your image. Right, right. It was kind of like that um, that Black Mirror that just came out where uh, the chick from uh, Schitt's Creek didn't read the fine print when, the, when she signed the, uh, the updated terms of service to Netflix. And within that, they had stole her likeness or whatever. And I, I, you didn't watch that episode? No, not yet. No. Oh my God, it's it's pretty funny and 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 it's very much exactly what's going on right now and all that. But here's right. the other thing: if they only use that person once, why, what's the point of that person even being an actor? He never has to act again, right? Right. They just put him in the background and they and put him in a background. They can put him anywhere they want. I, they I, can... Why would that even be? I don't. I think that was like a hidden part of the contract that some lawyer discovered. They were trying to sneak that in the fine print and not telling the actors ahead of time. I don't think. Oh really? That's what I had. That's what I had. Heard. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But yeah, I mean, I could understand too, putting your cap on of. I am an up-and-coming actor, and I'm young, and I want to be in the business, and a big studio like Warner Brothers or Disney yeah. says, hey, we want to use your likeness for the background. That probably sounds very tempting to... Well, yeah, it's na naivete as well, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. But in all of this, we can't forget about the writers, too. That's what started this whole thing. The writers exactly. are, are, are essentially the backbone of this industry, and it's... They're underappreciated because uh, right. if, if you don't have talent in writing, you don't have good material to watch, you know what I mean? Right. Or, or to even start a production on. Right. We end up having uh, reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you look at how wonky it is from movies to TV, uh, in a movie, 
the writer is basically the bitch of the project. Yeah. Hey, we don't like this scene, or this actor doesn't want to do that, so go and rewrite it to yeah. match what this actor wants. But in a TV setting, yeah. most of the time, the writer is like the showrunner yeah. of that. So right. there's a weird uh, unbalanced thing in between just TV and movies. movies. And then even those people who are running these shows and stuff, they're missing out on tons and tons of money just because when it goes to a streaming service... The streaming service can basically pay a licensing fee, and then they can show it as much as they want, and they don't have to show who created the show or the actors that are in the show how many times it's been watched. Whereas that was the dividends that you would see back in when you you saw um, the actors that would get residuals on TV. Yeah, right. If it's playing on ABC every night at 10 o'clock for the last three years, you know that this it showed this many times that I'm going to get paid this many times right. over this three-year period kind of thing. But it's harder to... I don't know if it's any harder to keep track of, but I think that the studios don't want to release that information of how many people are watching that show yeah. how many times. But, I mean, what this thing reminds me of, it's not as bad, it's not as harsh, but it could, it, maybe it is heading that way. Uh, it's basically like when Napster broke open the music industry. Right. And uh, people just, oh, everything, you know, and then once that was made illegal, the, the you know, the free downloading of music, it, it turned into the iTunes model where every song is worth a dollar. And then all of a sudden, right, this huge revenue stream for musicians disappeared and they had to make... Right all of their money off of touring right and and whereas before you know you made a lot you sold a lot of records you got a cut off of that you know what i'm saying and then right. and i think that's what some of the actors are trying to fight for at least is is trying to get like a better deal on the residuals based on the streaming plays and all that is was what you were saying right yeah and also see what streaming services can do now too which is what hbo started it once they merged with discovery and uh became max what they did was a lot of their uh original projects they did a uh i think it was called the american pickle they did uh -huh. a movie called the american pickle with seth rogan and, and yeah. his little team right and they did it it was it was a cute little film whatever but what they don't have to do is they can pull it from their streamer service and because they never released it on a hard media yeah he gets nothing from that unless it's on their streaming services so right. they can control and manipulate that they could never show it again right or they right. could do what Disney used to do where they'd pull everything off the shelves, get it for a limited time right, on right. video cassette and then we're putting it back in the vault thing and drive up the price so it's a it's a weird territory where we're in the old wild west where yeah, the rules right, just yeah. aren't quite ironed out and i think that's why writers and actors are just like this isn't fucking fair the other thing i heard too was that the guy who took over warner and made all those changes and yeah. basically changed it from hbo to uh, max to max and all of that shit and canceled all of those dc movies yeah. Supposedly there was some kind of tax rebate or something like that yeah. that had to do with with cutting all those movies and then yep. those actors are never going to get paid on all of that shit. Right. Or, they you know, don't exist anymore. Right. They yeah. do not exist. I mean, technically they do exist. Once they hit their streaming services, a lot of people gobble them up and then put them on streaming sites that are mm -hmm. free streaming sites. So yeah. you can still go out there and find that content, but you don't pay for it. So there's no money revenue for yeah. it. So even though it's out there and tangible to see 
put on their streaming service and then, then yank because Disney's doing that now too with a lot of their projects they pulled the Willow series so you can't yeah. see that they pulled a few movies that they dumped like 50 million into and they're writing them off so they'll yeah. never be shown again but you can still see them out there but yeah there are those projects like Batgirl and stuff like that where it was already filmed in post-production and then they just shut the whole thing down for a tax rebate yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that, and again, that's, you know, a CEO that's making whatever, $50 million a year and, and, and figuring out ways. Because I guess, you know, if you listen to the Bob Iger thing where, you know, yeah. he's being, you know, he's talking about, we don't know how to make money on this, but, but okay, maybe you should take a pay cut, brother. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you made $45 million a year, which Bob Iger apparently makes yeah. a year off of Disney, if you make $45 million a year and you've made that the last 10 years, yeah, why can't you just take a million dollars a year for a few years? Yeah, right. I know. Well, that's that's not the American way. Right. right? It's exactly. Not the, it's, I mean, we're heading into a corporatocracy. We already are there, but what? You know, let's not get too political. But um, right, right, right. But there is a caveat to this, though. Yes. Apparently. Um, Small independent projects can still go forward. Right, because they're not union. Yeah, because they're, well, that and, and also because the rule, the, the, but, the, the, but the actors that are in it are going to be union actors. And, right. But the way, the way it works is the independent film uh, has to follow the rules of what SAG wants at the end of the strike, what they're trying yeah. to get out of the strike. As long as they follow those rules, they'll let those actors because I think Anne Hathaway is one of the ones he has some independent movie coming right. out right that they're working on yeah, right Mel now. Yeah, Mel Gibson's doing one. Yeah, and right. Quite a few people, yeah. Yeah. And so as long as they're following the rules of what SAG and the Writers Guild uh, wants uh, right. out of the strike, then they'll allow these writers and, and, and actors to perform. And these are very small yeah. budget quiet yeah. films that, you know, probably would go under the radar anyway. Right. But in an, in about a year when there's nothing else coming out, these movies will probably get way more attention than they would have ever gotten before you know a lot of views yeah here's the thing that i kind of feel good about and i feel bad about okay yeah. so like this kind of feels like a resurgence into an area if because of this downtime there's probably going to be more independent projects that'll wheel up right yeah. now just yeah. because that's something that can be made and put out and services want something to show yeah and so that'll be cool because these little projects for little money have to rely on ingenuity from their brain to tell stories and yeah. special effects and, right. and hundreds of millions of dollar budgets and so there's going to be some unique storytelling out there kind of like what happened with the Pulp Fiction era yeah, and right. Tarantino the, the 1970s and era and yeah. all of the yeah right. all of these people come out and they do these unique movies and then they go on to sell out later so uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um What's sad about it is, is you have a lot of people that have been in the industry, writers and actors that have been working tirelessly yeah. to get to this point and they've hit. Yeah. They're white hot. Yeah. And now they can't do anything. anything. Right. The rug's been pulled out from under them. Right. Let's take Pedro. Yeah. Pascal. Pascal. Yeah. Who's on He's fire white hot and yeah. to have him hit at this moment where everything shut down and because we're in an age with TikTok and and the attention span is, is just so short. nil yeah. that it could be it could be a situation not saying it will be but it could be a situation of him like that was my moment and that happened 
Yeah. And that's why I'm still doing TV or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, that's, we'll that's, see. That's rough. Yeah, that's it is rough. rough. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since it took him so long to... Right. He's been working since the mid-90s, you know? Yeah. Trying, trying to survive, and it wasn't until game of thrones that he actually got any little bit of success and then snowballed right. out from that point you know right he started hitting traction and then just in the last year and a half two years yeah rubber meet the road and he was on fire that's true there is a there is an issue though with overexposure that he could also yeah. be saving himself from or not or the yeah. situation could be saving him from you know yeah you never know you yeah. never know because people are so fickle about right. what they like right. and dislike it's a weird time man it is a weird time and and i you know i don't know if i've ever mentioned it in the show before but i've probably talked to you about it and all that stuff and this is very reminiscent i think i have talked about this before there it seems like we're almost repeating what happened a hundred years ago in, a, in, in, a, in at least in theme and vibe because it was, you know, even in our McCarthy show, we talked about how in the 1930s, everybody talked about communism and then it became right. a dirty word by the 1940s, right? You know right. what I mean? And and part of, of the reason that was, was because of the, the depression it hit and everybody was out of work and what led to that was you know corporate and business greed you know what i mean right. and all these oligarchs like these bob Igers and this warner guy and all that stuff they all existed back then it's almost like we're repeating history all yeah. over again yeah i mean you know there's even a rise in fascism around the world <laughs> which was popular right. 100 years ago too so yeah what what feels cool about this is it's all been such bad news in my opinion about what's been going on in the world like right. i said with the fascism rising and and just hatred spewing and all of this stuff it's nice to see people standing up for themselves within right. the writers guild and the actors guild and i'm like fuck yeah man right you you guys deserve what you deserve and fuck these corporate overlords for screwing you so right it's it's a little bit of a positive light to such a negative vibe in the world especially after the pandemic you know right and unfortunately, too, what happens is is you have people who have made it really big in acting and writing and stuff like that. Like you have uh, a Tom Cruise and you yeah. have uh, Jason Sudeikis and you have Bob Odenkirk and are yeah. all out there on the picket lines with them. And you see a lot of comments like these guys make millions of dollars and it's not they're not striking for them. Yeah. They're striking for their fellow actors. Right. They're saying this is not fair to them, not just this is not fair to us. Right. And I've seen that the average actor, you know, they represent like 2%, you know what right. I mean? But the average actor really only grosses about 40 grand a year. And right. I personally, as a mechanic, I make way more than that. So right, it's right. hard to believe that, you know, yeah. the, the average actor isn't really making all that much money. Right. They're really and like yeah. and like you said, they all they most of them have these other jobs and they have to take time off to do their jobs, you know. Right. And a lot of them even struggle getting health insurance and stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's, right. it's really bad, man. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that is bad. And then the other thing too, I think was part of these contracts, you know, not only the AI thing, the other thing was about the self-taping. They're trying yeah. to get the, the actors want to get rid of that. Because when you go in, when everybody has to go into an office for a casting call, it's a level playing field versus when you have to do it all. The, what's become the trend over the last maybe 10 years is you do your own, you tape yourself with a friend and all that stuff uh, and then send it in. What happens is, is the people who actually have money already, they can afford these really good 
cameras and production sets and all of a sudden right. they have this extra sheen on their casting versus right. the, the other guy who might have the talent but he's using an iPhone and 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 right. his his buddy Merle is recording him and lighting him <laughs> you know and the, these other guys have practical like fucking like a, a full-on movie set in their house you know so it in that way it's become unfair too and they're I think that's one of the other things they're trying to combat and just make, basically say no more uh, remote or video casting right I'm sure COVID didn't help with that either so yeah right, right. COVID made it yeah. necessary and then right. now, then they all of a sudden you start to see the cracks and that whole situation you know right after the right. fact yeah after the dust has settled right yeah so I mean I say good for them yeah me too on to the next now on to the regular silly horse shit all right All right, so now we're del- delving into the comic book world again. It has been announced. Yes. Since we have on this show announced and denounced Henry Cavill yeah. as Superman. Right. Uh, now the new Superman has come step forward and been cast, and that's David Cornsweet. Oh, never heard of him. Yeah, he's a pretty unknown. He was in, I think, a Netflix show once before, and then we got a new Lois Lane, which is Rachel Brosshan. Mm-hmm. And she was in... Uh, apparently a pretty popular show starting to build this new dc universe i guess that uh, james, james gunn. gunn is putting together yeah so i mean i can definitely see it you know it's it's one of those things like you've even said about henry cavill when you first saw him in his show you're like this guy's puny yeah right and that's how this guy is when i, I was you know i saw him and i'm like oh wow he's like really but you're just like well you know they're gonna roid him up and uh Put him in a suit. Yep, yep. And but I guess you know this is going to take longer than you know we have to continue on with the whole strike talk. This is going to take longer than we want to see. Right, and and so for this, I think not that the strike is necessarily a good thing for people who need money and need to work and everything. Yeah. And the longer they're on strike, the longer they're 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 suffering and stuff like that. But for projects, especially that are so saturated on the market right now like superhero movies yeah i think the longer you can take yeah. to go over this material and massage it right and really iron Refine out it. everything yeah. yeah i think it might make it even a better film right well, isn't that what matt reeves said about the batman is it gave him the pandemic right. gave him time to kind of go back over and 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 smooth it out even more right, right. and that's what he, matt reeves is even saying about this yeah so i mean i hope that um if we are gonna you know continue on with all the comic book stuff which i it is getting a little tired i just hope that uh james gunn can do something to kind of help revitalize especially on the dc side because they they seem to you know i like some of their stuff but they, they've suffered more than the mcu has and yeah so it would be it would be nice if, if it could come back with this new cast and 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 have some gravitas to it I mean, it's all gonna, like I said in the past, it's all gonna come down to if Warner will stay out of their way. Yeah, right. I, I don't 100% believe that they will. Right. I think they're just gonna meddle. And it's like, say, this Superman legacy movie that, that he's doing, James Gunn is doing, even though he's the head of DC Productions right now. Right. If Warner, if the head of Warner Brothers watches that movie come out and do, do fair business, right. I think he'll be like, uh, let's change course. Right, right, right. There's nothing he can do about that. 
Yeah, well, it's just what happened with the, you know, like after what was it, Suicide Squad and all that stuff, and and right, the, Zack Snyder, yeah, and Joss Whedon, Joss Whedon thing, yeah, and the, how the studio got involved and, and right. kind of screwed the pooch on that whole. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I'm I'm happy at least that the actors actors that he has already cast in it ha- are not facing as big of a backlash as what even Henry had to face. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the next project that's going to be delayed a lot, even if it gets for. <laughs> <laughs> Because everything we're about to talk about, you know, that's up and coming and exciting is going to be delayed because of the strike. But right, I read an article about uh, Danny Boyle trying to get Killian Murphy back to do another 28 fast zombie movie called. But this time it's going to be called 28 Years Later. Uh, right. Essentially like a, a part three to that uh, original 28 Days Later thing with Killian Murphy. And it's following that character all these years later. Right, which you you would think that they would go with months, but I guess since he's aged so much since the first one, they have to go with years now. You know. Well, I, I, I think the first one, what the sec, the first sequel was like twenty eight months later or something like that. I, I was the first one twenty eight days later or yes. twenty eight weeks. So I think the second one was twenty eight weeks. Okay, okay. And so I see what you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess because um, that movie came out in two thousand one, twenty eight days later or whatever. Right. Uh, so that's almost close to 28 years ago. <laughs> right. So well, I guess that's they, why I'm saying yeah. I'm wondering if that's why they're just skipping that whole thing. Yeah, If yeah, they're yeah. going to get Killian back and then they're like, he's way older now. Right, this right. This is not right, months. Right. I don't know about you. I wasn't a big fan of the second one. I don't, know I don't even remember the second one. I barely right. remember it. But uh, the first one was cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked the first one enough for sure. And I thought... Uh, had a real kinetic vibe to it that was at that time pushing along the zombie craze that yeah right with, right with that was, Day of the it Dead was like, that was like right that at stuff. the beginning of it but right. here's the thing though i mean technically i mean people get mad the the, the, yeah, the purists get mad because they're the fast zombies but technically they weren't really zombies they right. were more of like a uh, it was like a rage virus or whatever an angry an anger virus right uh, sort of like a rabies in a way. So it's the same people that get kind of pissy when about the Last of Us when you say, "Oh, the zombies," and they go, well, "Technically, they're not zombies." Yeah. You're like, shut yeah. up, they're zombies. Yeah, it's a comic book guy from The Simpsons. Right. Well, right. actually, actually, <laughs> well, okay. I don't know. I think it could be kind of cool if they do do yeah, it. Yeah. And Danny Boyle wants to do it, so he was he was the one that did the original movie. And yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it right. doesn't. You oh, know? well. Just another one in the trash for the zombie movies. <laughs> yeah. You know, that sequel Danny Boyle made to, uh, whatchamacallit, wasn't so hot. Uh, oh, Train Spotting? Train Spotting. See, I like that one. See, I like yeah, that but one. it didn't work. I'm just saying I, it didn't hit that well, and I don't think oh, it, no, 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 no. nobody remembers it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. 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 It wasn't bad. I'm just saying. Train Spotting was just one of those movies that hit at a time, like I'm saying, in that Pulp Fiction area yeah, where right. all of these actors were coming out and everything. And you get so many years later. People don't want to see that now. You right. Know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah. Avatar 2, you know, even though it <laughs> broke all these records. Everybody's yeah. watching the movie going, why am I watching this? <laughs> and why I, Why do we care? <laughs> so. But they just keep going back to see it, though. That's yeah, I know. And breaking records. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of 
maybe it won't work. <laughs> we we got to talk about like um, how a lot of these big studio movies before the strike haven't really been doing all that great these days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But outside of Avatar too, I kind of think that there's a lot of reasons. It's a it's a it's a, bu- a bunch of reasons. Yeah. All mixed together. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk. I think it's, t- let's mention a few of them. Like. The Flash. The Flash did not do very well at all, I guess. No. And uh, there's a couple Indiana others. Jones. Indiana Jones didn't. Well, I don't know if it made a, it made its money back. It's not going to make its money back, but I, I still feel like it did okay, right? Yeah, I mean, it just hit 300 million, and that was apparently the budget yeah, for the movie. Right. So they still have to make another 300 million just to break even. Right. And I'm saying 300 even. It just hit 300. Worldwide, not worldwide, just domestic. Right, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's going to be a struggle. Those two, I mean, you, you you look at those. Well, I mean, early in the year, even uh, Marvel released the Ant Man oh, three, yeah, and that that would took a huge hit. Like it was, it's the worst, Performing. it's the worst received. Yeah, critically, audience score is the worst received, and it it bombed basically yeah I, well that's why you know i'm a little worried about when well, we're talking about the james gunn thing and the bat the superman and all that stuff and and what he's gonna do i i feel like look and this is probably what you're about to say you say a multiple of reasons uh right there's fatigue on these yeah these superhero movies for sure for sure yeah and i um, think that there's fatigue for a number of reasons yeah. i think so many streaming Shows for Marvel has not helped it. No, in my opinion, and apparently in a lot of the populace now, a lot of the shows satiated an appetite. But when they look back on them, they're not like, "Oh, it's like Endgame and these Marvel movies that I love." They don't feel they're fast foody. They, you know, you, yeah. yeah. Like so, low nutrient, <laughs> right? Uh, high taste, low l- nutrient. So like, it's exciting in the moment, and it just does right. not stick with you, and you shit it out in like two hours. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. And so, that's a big thing about it, especially for yeah. Marvel. I would say especially for, Marvel, for Marvel, that's yeah. a big, and big thing. Disney's overdoing it. Disney's overdoing it with the streaming and so many movies, and then plus. I think because Marvel was so on top for so long and yeah. had just a great output that once Endgame and that last Spider-Man movie came out and yeah. everything, I think Marvel just kind of was just like, well, let's just give carte blanche a little bit to some of these directors and let them do what they want to. And when they did that, a lot of them started going off on these weird tangents to where like... Oh, you mean Taika Waititi? And, yeah, Taika, yeah, I, Taika yeah. Waititi. I never, I never saw it because you told me how bad it was. I'm like, well, then I'm not going near it. <laughs> right? Know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's it, that's awful. And then, you know, uh, they did that Eternals movie, and that's another low one that didn't barely do anything. And so I think it's a, a lot of like too much confidence. Whatever we put out, they're gonna watch. Yeah. And so let's just go balls to the wall and do whatever we want. So that that's I think it's the fatigue that's hitting Marvel side, and also. A lot of the main characters that everyone grew up with aren't in the movies anymore. Yeah, right. And so it's that all... took a big chunk out of like people's. Oh wow, I'm not as excited about these movies right. anymore. On the DC side, 
they fucked around with their movies so many times that yeah. I don't think people know what's going on in there. Yeah. Just regular moviegoers that they're just like, okay, so why is Michael Keaton in this? And yeah. where's Ben Affleck? And what about Robert Pattinson? And yeah. where's Joaquin Phoenix? And people don't understand that universe anymore. No. And so it's so diluted. It's so diluted in their own indecision yeah. that it, it's just completely imploded on itself yeah and so that and then across the board i think that it's budgets yeah 300 million dollars for indie yeah you got 250 for the flash and then um you know ant-man was like a 350 million dollar budget i mean this they're just going nuts with these budgets and everything because they instantly think well we'll get a billion dollars and we won't have to worry about it yeah 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 you know yeah and 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 you set that bar so high they're gonna have to figure out well that's the thing with the streaming and that's what this argument is between Iger and the right uh, going back to the strike again is He's saying there's no way to get their money back on this shit. Then stop spending that much money on these movies. Right. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, and then also, as I said, I think before we started recording, is that the other thing is people have been spoiled by what COVID did with the streaming service, whereas they're releasing their movies either day and date of in theaters or you wait 30 days 40 days it's going to be on streaming anyway i think people are so accustomed to that now that if it's not something that they just have to see right now like there's just they'll yeah. be like, oh is this going to be on on max or disney plus exactly in 30 days i'll just wait yeah there is no urgency to see anything anymore right like a lot and of people. you know the quality of home entertainment is is you know quadrupled over the last 20 right. years you know what i mean so yeah there's nobody yelling in your ear there's no kids running around in the theater right. and all that shit to annoy you you're in your comfort of your own home wearing just your underwear right and watching a 4k television version of you know of this thing yeah with a decent right. sound system so yeah part of, of the strike thing is, is they need to come up with a better business model for the streaming if they're going to end up yeah. if people aren't going to go and see them in the theaters then they have to almost put them in on the streaming early you know what i mean right. because oh shit nobody's we're not selling tickets so what's the point of keeping it out here right so three weeks later four weeks later we're going to put it on a streamer and uh but then they have to figure out a way to revenue it better or they put they hold it off as a rental way longer you know what i mean and right either you go back to the old model like we used to have to wait like seven months before a movie got went from theater to dollar theater to finally vhs seven eight months later then you either go back to that model and get people used to that, which I know that they don't want to do. Right. Or when you release something like whatever, like Oppenheimer or Mission Impossible or Indiana Jones, then you release it in theaters and you can go see it on the big screen and pay your money at the theater. And if you want to see it at home, you have to pay your pay-per-view fee right. at home. Right. Even though you ha- you're subscribed to Disney yeah. or subscribed to... You still have to pay a premium to watch... To rent this movie to watch like an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Something. They have to do something. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, 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 it's like the music industry. It's It feels like it's getting ready to collapse on itself, you know? Right. And then no, everybody's sure. making way less money. And then, you know... And then, I mean, there's already talk that Iger's... Is, got a, a bid in already for for Disney from Apple. Apple's I think 
the the thing is that Apple's already put in a bid of like 160 billion dollars to buy Disney, and he's considering it. So. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's and that's part of that's also part of the problem. Again, this is getting a little political, but you know. Uh, these these corporate con- conglomerates keep absorbing each other, and eventually it's going to be the one big or you know one corporation. Big, yep. You know what I mean? And that's yep. supposed to be you know anti. Uh, you're not right. supposed to do that. Anti-monopoly laws and all that shit. But right, it's the collapse of modern civilization <laughs> on our movie podcast. <laughs> so yeah, I just think that there's a lot of different reasons why why these movies have met the fate that yeah. they have. I, I think that... I honestly do believe, because there's recent news that just came out, I think, either yesterday or today, that's talking about, well, The Flash hit Japan, and now it's doing big numbers there. And then when it just hit streaming, it's giant numbers on streaming. And I, that's what I'm saying. I think people just say, ah, you know what, I don't, I'm just going to go... It's going to... I want to wait, wait until it hits... Sweet. Right, and and that's exactly what I was gonna do. I mean, I right. I was not gonna pay any. You know, I'm not that big into that universe that I wanted right. wanted to pay a movie theater ticket for. Right, right. You know, right. Just talking about my own personal opinions. There's there's not a whole lot of movies that I'm gonna go to the theater for these days. You know what I mean? Right. And and superhero movies are not and one of them on your and, list. Right, exactly. But, you know, and Oppenheimer is, you know, like I said, I went and saw The Northman because I do like these dark, heavy, bleak fucking adult movies. You know what I mean? Right, uh, right. I did go see Indy 5, though, but I, right. I felt like I had to. Right. So let's get into that. What I mean, what did you... Uh, yeah, so you saw Indy 5. Yeah. In the theaters, yeah. as well as I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was, uh, it was one of those things where I saw the trailer and I knew that, uh, James Mangle was involved with mm-hmm. directing it. So that interested me a lot because, uh, I thought, well, he's done a good job so far with a lot of projects that I liked, though. So let's see what he can do with it. And, uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a big, big comeuppance from, uh, Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it had. I thought it did a really good job with not making his age a punchline and everything. It, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really liked that about it. That it was. It was. It was considerate of the character's age as far as what's happening in time, not just like he's old, so he can't crack the whip, or he's right, old, right, so he can't right. throw a punch. Or, yeah. Oh, I threw out my back. Kind of. Yeah. Thing, you know? No, I mean there was a. I, I feel like there's a good fifteen minutes that could have been cut out of the yeah. middle. You know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I, it hit me in all the right spots. And yeah. it, um, that first half hour, you know, I, I felt like it was in the early 80s again. And I'm a little me kid too. watching uh, Harrison Ford do some awesome yep. shit, you know. Yep. And, and, you know, there was a, f- a few minor moments of Uncanny Valley with his de-aging. Right. But for the most part, it looked amazing. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I think they struggled. The only thing they struggled a little bit with was with the, his eyes or something. Yeah. There was something a little vacant in the eyes where you can tell uh, this is a computer, not him. You know what right. I mean? But um, it, like for me, I would I was catching that stuff probably the first seven to ten minutes into that yeah. whole de-aging part of the film. But then once I got absorbed in what was going on in this, I totally it was it was another indie adventure, and yeah. I was I was having a really good time with it. You know, like yeah. Spoiler alert! 
once he gets the, the hat and leathers on and, yep. and gets the whip and, the, and he's running on hits. the train and the, yeah yep. i was like oh fuck this is cool yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it, it, it is a little out there but yeah i, I think at this for whatever reason I, I i i'm not i don't have a complaint about them going back in time and all that shit i i don't know why i feel like i should but i don't right. you know what i yeah. mean <laughs> i feel that it was very well laid out and at the beginning yeah. when the warnings of time and the movies about his age and right. time and how right. time has moved by him and yeah. all of it is kind of building to a precipice of something that when you get an archaeologist into the past yeah. and he gets to see what he studied right there's something really beautiful about right that to yeah. Me. yeah yeah and right. to see especially that character who we've watched yeah. over the course of three movies yeah and uh but no even what they do with with even the little nod the winky nods of like his snake thing they don't have to show him with a snake they just have someone comment oh that looks they look like snakes no they don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah right 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 yeah but he says it with that nervous look right 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 yeah and i think you know i did a little pre-prep because i it's been a while since i've seen some of the other ones and i I, I will never watch like you said Crystal Skull. I will no. never watch that one again. Never. No, no. I'm with uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone on that with uh, the whole <laughs> raping of Indiana Jones. Uh, right. Um, right. But, and I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark probably 20 times. So I, I, right. And I, I think I rewatched it maybe a year, year and a half ago. So I, I right. watched Temple of Doom and Last Crusade kind of in preparation to go see it again just to kind of catch that vibe, you know? Right, right. And it's funny, it's like, I, I've only seen Temple of Dune maybe once or twice before. You know what oh, I wow, mean? Okay. I have to, right. and, and so this was my first time watching it as an elder statesman here. Right. <laughs> and right. and uh, I, uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered. Yeah. You know what I mean? I kind of appreciated how dark that film was. And I don't yeah. know if I really put it together when I saw it. Because I missed it in its original release, too. I okay. never saw it in the theaters or anything. I right. somehow saw it, I think, probably in my video store days. So in my early 20s, I saw it for the first time and was like, right. yeah, you know, I see why people didn't get into it, you know, back in right. back in the early 90s when I saw it. But then watching it this time, so far removed and just right. just happy to be watching Indiana Jones, I'm like, no, I, I like it. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't so annoyed by Kate Capshaw or the, right. or the little guy from uh, every... Where everything, everything's everywhere. All at all once. The, all at once. All the time. Over time. there. And over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I enjoy that one too. I, in, uh, and uh, I think there's a lot of funness to it. And I think that the darkness plays off of the lightness in it. Yeah. So it's, right. there's a good, um, not totally balanced, but it's a good amount of balance in there for dark. And it's just fun seeing Indy do a bunch of shit. Like, right. stop, do his little stunts and use the whip and uh, solve little puzzles and I, I had heard too from in another podcast just commentary uh, or, or people speculating I think it was Amy Grant had just dumped Steven Spielberg and right. uh, actually it's Amy Irving Marsha and um, George Lucas George. had just broken up so yeah. there was a little bit of this kind of like fuck the world kind of attitude yeah. when they made that movie and, right. and and that's where the darkness maybe seeps through you know right and uh 
and maybe making Kate Capshaw this kind of like uh, so opposite of Marion. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. That like, was, br- I think, a brilliant. Yeah, right. Thing for them is to to do that. You know, I mean, one of the things that I remember hearing a long time ago, and it might have even been uh, George in his little his right. little dismissive way of yeah. the way he talks about certain things. He's just like, you know, a lot of people have problems with the, you know, how wacky things get a little bit in Temple of Doom, but we put it all out there right at the beginning with that song, Anything Goes. Yeah. Anything you know? Goes. <laughs> but yeah, I remember really digging on it, and I don't even think until years later I realized it was a prequel to... Yeah, I didn't either, you know, but and you, yeah, and you, it makes and sense, you, though. Yeah, you because you see him and he is all about fortune and glory, and then yeah. by the end he learns that lesson. That's why he is like he is in Raiders, right. where it belongs in a museum. Right, right, right. <laughs> kind of thing. So yeah, no, I I, I, I dig it a lot, and um, and uh, yeah, I was the same way. I didn't see that one in the theaters. I saw it on home video and stuff. The mm-hmm. first indie I saw in the theaters was The Last Crusade in 89 when Batman and Indy were my big movies then. That's why I say this year has always been kind of a special year for me. Right. I see Return of Keaton and then going to see that Indiana Jones movie. I I think I even told you. I walked out of the theater and looked back just to say, well, this is the theater where the last time I'm ever going to see a new Indy adventure. (laughs) Right, right, right. Kind of imagine a 10-year-old me being like, bye. Yeah. You know. Right. Well, and so having, you know, you segued into it, uh, I, like I said, I rewatched it. Last Crusade. Last Right before going to see Indy 5. And um, I hadn't seen it for a while. I I probably hadn't seen it since the 90s, I think. And um, what I really appreciated about The Last Crusade was how against type (laughs) Sean Connery is playing in that because he is such Mr. Macho tough guy in every fucking movie he is and he's like a bumbling dork in this movie and it's (laughs) so fucking funny to see him play that yeah it is Uh, because I I I can't think of any movie where he's ever been like that you know what I mean no no I think from what I remember hearing about like production and stuff like that that was one of the main reasons he wanted to do it because yeah. when Steven Spielberg and George Lucas all got together they're like who could be Indy's yeah. dad and they're just like well he's like James Bond and James Bond is Sean Connery right, so why right. not Sean Connery right. be his dad and when they went to him apparently that was the forethought was yeah. you're gonna be the archetype for why Indy is like he is and he's just like no I don't want to play that like if I would do it it will we'll be playing against each other in a weird way like yeah one should be opposite opposed right. to the other one which is smart it's totally yeah. smart and uh, yeah yeah even movies like outlander and and, and and goofy shit like zardoz or that small little part he has in uh time bandits you know what i mean he's yeah a, right a, exactly. he's a swashbuckling tough guy you know right what I mean? right yeah zardoz but yeah zardoz is all the whole movie's about his manhood you know right and, and right banging chicks and then, uh, you know, it, it can't be a coincidence that Indy is in 89. He's shooting in 88. He won his Oscar for his big tough guy role in Untouchables in 87. Right. So right. Yeah. he's probably thinking, I need, now that I got an Oscar for this, yeah. let me see what I can do the opposite direction. Yeah, and he was good in it. It almost, it almost feels like um, we feel, I feel a little robbed of having him done that a little more often. You know what I mean? Right, you know? yeah, yeah. Because he was challenged. So, so natural in, in, in it, you know? Just right. the way he is so fucking natural as, as a stud yeah. in James Bond. Right. Like, no one else, in, in, to this day for me, no one is as smooth yep. and quite as, like, 
I, you know, I get all the chicks because I'm this guy. You know what I right. mean? You know, exactly. it's so, and yet to be the opposite of that and be right. just as convincing. It's right. It was pretty fun. Yeah. And, you know, again, bringing it back to the Nazi thing too, like you've talked about, there's something about Indiana Jones fighting the, the Nazis that right. there's like a cool mystique to that. You yeah. Know what I mean, which is why they, they do it in Indy 5. Right, right. They go back in time for that de-aging part and everything. Yeah. And that whole part, the way they set it up, it's this dark, like, looking castle thing that they've yeah. raided and all of these antiques. It really immediately, Mangold does a great job of putting you in the mood yes. of an indie adventure right, right off the bat. And so, yeah, and so going back to the Last Crusade, of course, yeah, saying what you're saying about the genius of what he's doing as, as Henry... Uh, senior, senior, Henry right. Jones, senior. You know, and seeing how he plays off of Indy and the dynamic between their relationship is what uh, that Indiana Jones movie needed to get it into the headspace of what they were trying to do was recapture the Raiders. Feel. Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And it worked. It worked for me. Yeah. So yeah, and 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 so yeah, I'm I'm pleased that and and uh, you know that I don't want to give it away, but that end scene, yeah, in uh, in Indy Five really tugged at my heartstrings. I, I oh yeah, I love. I was it. a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> so Raiders of the Lost Ark meant so much to me as yeah, me too. Eight year old kid seeing it in the theater. Yeah. So. I'm, yeah, I was pleased. I, you know, uh, go out on top there, uh, yep. Harrison. You know. Yep. Way to go, buddy. Thanks for the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for playing two big important heroes. Yeah, Han Solo. Anti heroes. Right. Um, one kind of a bummer announcement, but I guess we'll see what comes of it, but apparently the Sirius Corporation, you know, Sirius Radio has decided to discontinue the Stitcher app. So, I mean, we, our show comes out on the Stitcher as well, so I guess that's one venue we're going to disappear. Apparently, what they're trying to do, Sirius, is like absorb all their podcast media into under one banner, you know, with, right. the, with the Sirius Radio uh combine all the podcast stuff under there so we don't want to know what it's going to look like yet but right um probably smart though so it's not all in little subdivisions of right. their business to bring it all under one I'm, umbrella i think too the re it was separated because when at the time i think uh podcasts, podcast. po yeah podcasts are so <laughs> obscure we're like well let's just shove that off off to the side now and then it ends up taking over the entire world right you know radio hosts are like i, I want to start a podcast yeah exactly right yeah, and all these celebrities are, you know, basically yep. stealing the thunder and making it so little podcasts like ours can never be seen or heard. Or I'm going on strike. <laughs> yeah, me and you are just not going to. That's why we didn't make one for three months, because we were on strike, and then we realized nobody cares. <laughs> no. I guess we'll see what happens to all those big shows. I, even a lot of the bigger podcasts are like, well, you don't know what's going to happen, so yeah. stay tuned. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty interesting thing. A lot of these companies are starting to engulf all of their subdivisions into themselves and be like, yeah. we are one gigantic company now. Exactly, right. Um, yeah. Whatever that means. But uh, I, it's going to be August 29th uh, of this year, 23, is when it will officially just disappear, I guess. The, the, the app will. Right. I know what's weird is, like, 
Conan is on Earwolf, and Conan's show is huge. Yeah. But he also just started this side channel with the serious thing there, and I'm wondering if there's a connection with that. And I, you know, like, is Sirius gonna buy out Earwolf or something like that? You right, know, is maybe. that it? I bet Earwolf is like, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. That's Scott Ackerman. Is that's his baby? Yep. Yeah. So um, that'd be interesting to find out if you know uh, if that's actually what's happening. If there's something behind all that, you know, the connection between Conan or not, or is that just just coincidence? Right. You know. Right. Well, good for Conan. Yeah, <laughs> he's already a bazillionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he deserves it after that shit that Jay Leno pulled off. Yeah, you Fucker. son of a bitch, Jay Leno. You got a lot of nice cars. I like them. <laughs> our final, our closer is always, what have we been watching in our three months off? We already know we watched Indy, so that's out of the way. Yeah, we got that and the other two that I watched. Right. So go hit me. You hit me up first. Tell me what you got. I, again, like normal, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of um, documentaries, most mostly. Yeah. I did uh, one called American Pain. Mmm. That's right. And, you got me to watch that too. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that that one was pretty was cool. Fascinating. It moves really quickly. Yeah. So it doesn't waste a lot of time in backstories of a lot of people. It kind of pushes through them pretty fast and everyone involved in the scandal that's going on. But it's one of those that grips you pretty quick and then moves you through the story. And then you get to the end of it and you're like, God damn it. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, essentially it's about the pain centers and these cheesy little like profiting uh, uh they're, they're, they're hiding under the guise of helping people with pain, but anybody who saw Dope Sick knows that it's basically a, like a legalized prescription opioid uh, Oxycontin uh, drug dealing situation. And so, uh, yeah, it's these two twin brothers that are just fucking gross douchebags. <laughs> yeah, they are so gross, uh, but they're also, you know, relatively smart, but they have they're sociopaths, I guess, you right. know, it seems like so. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty interesting. Was that on... Um, HBO Max or Max, H- or, or Max. yeah, okay. Yeah. It was on Max called American Pain. That that's worth watching, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, if you're into that one. kind of true crimey kind of stuff, you know. Right. I came off of that one and told you about this one, and I think you saw it before I finally got around to it. But I on Netflix had an American Gladiators. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Documentary. Yeah. That I was waiting to get into, and I thought it would be a little seedy backstory of what's going on, and they have a little tiny bit of that here right. and there in it. But it's mainly just about how the show came to be. Be and, and yeah, the story uh, yeah. behind it. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. Right, right. I think I was just because I was waiting for the seediness yeah, to come up. Yeah, I was and, waiting it for it to be like American Pain right. somehow, you exactly. know? Exactly, yeah. And so because of that, I think I enjoyed it less, but it was still entertaining nonetheless. Yeah. So if you know that show from the early 90s that... Yeah. Uh, Right, maybe even early, late it was 80s. Late 80s, early 90s, yeah. Right, it ran, right. It ran for like six years, I think. Right. I remember watching it because it came on right after Saturday Night Live, so right, I watched right. that right afterwards. And, and they, yeah, it was entertaining and uh, interesting little backstories there, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger one was pretty good, too. Arnold Schwarzenegger one was amazing. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that one it had a lot of surprising people pop up to talk talking head spots yeah. 
that uh, one I was surprised they got, and two I was uh, two. Even if it was people I wasn't surprised they got, I was surprised at some of the things they said and how candid they were. And, right. And so I really appreciated that about that documentary, that they, they went pretty no-holds-barred on certain topics and stuff. Yeah, like I, I felt like uh, Arnold w- did his best to sk- skate yeah. around the whole cheating, uh, uh, yeah. womanizing thing, you know? I was just getting to that. That yeah. was the, the one part. That and the way he kind of... He really embraces how how big of uh, how hard he took the flop of Last Action Hero. Right. He does embrace that, but the way he kind of skates around Batman and Robin, it's yeah, kind of yeah. like, all right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, and it's funny too. Going back to Conan, uh, Conan had this three or four part side series uh, of his podcast where they were reading the script that him and uh, Robert Smeichel had written right. for the Hans and Franz movie that never got made and right. Arnold, Arnold played a big part in it apparently Arnold was super gung-ho into being a part of it but then right. Dana Carvey's basically saying when when Lax Action Hero flopped he got really self-conscious and Thinking it was a great idea before Last Action Hero that after Last Action people want me not to do serious and not funny and right. which is not true at all because right. True Lies is hilarious you know right it's great but I think he just felt comfortable being in James Cameron's yeah world world again, yeah you know I mean? and under his uh, umbrella right. and control correct yeah. yeah just as a side note after they read that script in that what was it three or four part podcast series right. with, with Kevin Nealon and and Dana Carvey and Robert Smigel. It sounded like it would have been a pretty yeah. fucking funny movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. It sounded like it would have been probably top tiers SNL movies. Yeah, up right. there with like Wayne's World and stuff. Yeah, I was I was laughing yeah. a lot at what they were doing. So, oh well, it never happened. And you know, and like you said, it was I, the last action hero thing was a big right. part of that. Right. Um, me, what have I been watching? Well, you know. Well, I've had a lot of time on my hands lately. I've been watching a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've been watching a lot of movies, but to be honest, not a lot of new movies. I've been I've been all over the board. So one I really feel like it's important to mention. Unfortunately, it just went off Max, and it's it's one of those ones that a lot of our favorite directors always cited as one of the best movies ever, and. Uh, you know, like 2001 got them into right. making, becoming directors, and that's Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. I saw that on Max right like a few weeks before they took it off. I was like, oh, I better hurry up before they uh, they take right. it down. I think it went off at the end of June. Yeah, stunning. Oh my God! <laughs> you know, you hear about this your whole life, and you're like, you hear about it so much that you're almost like, meh, I don't yeah. want to watch that. You know, no, totally. Everybody's yeah. talking about how beautiful it is. It is literally the most beautiful movie I have ever seen in my life yep. because it's a hundred percent practical. There's no special effects involved, nope. and they, it's like every shot is shot in a wide shot. Yeah, even the close-ups are like wide. Right. It's amazing how broad and huge the movie looks. Yep. And just in such incredible detail and fine on, you know, that whatever, you know, it's it's old film and all that shit, but yep. oh my god, it was 
stunning and it's three hours and 45 minutes long you know i sat through the whole fucking thing you know what i mean i didn't i didn't i didn't hesitate and it's a true story too so there it's interesting uh, that it happened and it's a part of world war one you don't even hear about you know where they're down and same with like world war two you don't hear much about the whole africa part but both of those world wars got into africa and made a bit of a mess down there it's one of those movies that when you hear people talk about cinema and how you know certain movies have just a tremendous scope to them, and that movie yeah. is the pinnacle of that statement. When you're talking yeah. about how much scope is in that movie, yeah, it's just like how do they keep doing this? Yeah, I, I couldn't even get it. Like I was watching it, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking even when he's in the beginning, when they're, he's in yeah. uh, England or whatever, and and right. all that stuff. I was like, they're in the building, and he's talking to two other guys, and all that. Stuff. It's still like in this weird wide shot thing. Yep. How are they doing that? But the very first scene in this desert, you know, is basically that they're on the two camels, and there's these this mountain that almost looks like it could be an eroded pyramid you know what i mean in the right. background and i'm like i had to pause it and just stare at it i think i sent you a picture of like yeah. look at this fucking scene <laughs> this is amazing it's so beautiful right yeah so uh i was pretty blown away by that i guess you know the the truth is about t.e lawrence is in reality he was gay and this movie was 1962 so you know right. you know that big time Hollywood's not going to broach that you know what I mean they're just going to kind of innuendo it a little bit with two guys staring at each other longingly but right that's part of the time I guess but still a very interesting story and and like I said the fact that it actually you know it really happened and all that always I love history so yeah, and Peter O'Toole's really good in it. He is great. And here's the thing. Yeah. My, Peter O'Toole, for me, I, I became aware of him in my favorite year, you know, in the early oh, 80s. Yes. And, and yes. he was already aged out and had yeah. drank his looks away, right? Right. So that when you see him back in 1962, <laughs> you're like, Jesus Christ, he is a <laughs> handsome motherfucker. He's, like, beautiful. <laughs> it's insane how good looking he is and what did he do to himself you know what I mean I mean he still had the eyes come through like even right. when you even when you see him as the king in Troy you know what I mean right. he's like that's pretty close to death but right. he still looked like the guy from my favorite year you know what right. I mean like that, yep. that and even though they're like 30 years apart yep so somewhere in the 70s there, he must have really drank it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was him and Richard Harris. Yeah, and, uh, right. All Oliver, what is that? Oliver Reed. and Yeah, right. George yeah. C. Scott. All of those guys got yeah. together, smoked like eight packs a day. And, yeah, uh, right. And that's terrible drink. for your skin, too, right? Right, right. Old English teeth, too, you know? It's one of those movies that if you're into film, too, your eyes soak the scenery up like it's visine because <laughs> right. you're so used anymore to like digital alterations right. to things that yeah. when you see something like that your mind plays a trick on you like this can't be real right but then you like look you like, oh well, at the time they couldn't manipulate this so this is real right right well yeah, and yeah. the and the other thing too is is storytelling in those days took its time too. Yeah. So it's, you know, and we're so kind of spoiled by the fast cuts and super yep. fast paced editing and all that shit. And these are like long drawn out scenes that are just right. taking their time to, you know, a lot of them are just taking the time so you can just look around and see what's the, right. the scenery. Like you're talking, this all natural, unaltered scenery. Right. Which is stunning. But yeah. uh, so, you know, you have to take that in, in, in oh, consideration yeah. if you're a younger generation person. You, you got to understand these older movies are much more slower paced. For but, sure. 
yeah, it's one of those things that if you watch, if you're a person that watches Stanley Kubrick and you're like, man, I wish you'd hurry and get to the point, you're not going to like this. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not, not going to like yeah. this. Because <laughs> this is that times two, because it's yeah. three hours and 45 minutes long. <laughs> so, yeah, it's as long as the Snyder Cut with a lot less CG. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, there's there's just that era that I always skipped. You know, when you and I were doing our McCarthy PCA episode, I you right. know it was almost that time period where I felt like I couldn't even comment on, and that time when right. when in the late '50s when the PCA is losing its grip, but it still exists, and before the ratings come in, and then a lot of the movies we tend to kind of gravitate towards are usually that late 60s and early oh, yeah. and, you know through the 70s when things get really gritty right so right. i kind of said to myself well you know starting with that one let's see what else is out there all these other big epic films and i watched the great escape i watched the bridge bridge over the river kwai and the, the one the last one i'm still waiting to do because i gotta rent it is spartacus which is because that's the speaking of kubrick that's the only one i of his i haven't seen yet I, that's right the last of his his catalog i haven't seen so right. um it's interesting to watch you know again the, like i said these old most all of them are based on true stories and well they're all war films so there's no right. women involved that's the only thing that's kind right. of you know strange about it bridge yeah. over the river kwai has a four uh thai ladies in it <laughs> right you know what i mean it's still entertaining it was a good movie i enjoyed it and all that yeah. stuff and and yeah. and it is a, a time period like i said that i've never really focused in on right yeah the one more i want to mention that's not a new movie and uh we did talk about it off transmission but uh and that's uh denis villeneuve's uh enemy with jake gyllenhaal right i watched that because i i thought i had seen all of his movies too but i somehow had missed that one and um i think there's still another one out there that i missed still but um might be a french canadian one but um that movie was wild and interesting and uh what a cool concept for a movie you know what i mean and just this dark again you know dark and bleak which is the shit i like you know what i mean i I like that kind of uh that shit but there's a lot of tension in it that uh gets you kind of sitting up on your chair a little bit like and it ratchets it slowly ratcheting it so it's kind of like in the same way prisoners does which is probably one of you know one of my favorite ones of his. I don't know. I can't yeah. say that because I love Sicario so much too, and I love yeah, Dune yeah. so much. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a good director. He's, he's just, just a, a good, director. yeah, yeah. He really he's is. A, he really knows the balance, in my opinion. With uh, almost, I I can't think of one that it's off for yeah. me in all of his projects. But he really has a good balance of catering to character and also mm-hmm. catering to visual. Right. And yeah. both. Ma- are married really well together on screen that that a lot of directors deliver one or the other yeah but they can't seem to grasp balancing both at the both, same time right and yeah. yeah yeah i mean like we've talked about it the work he did on dune is ridiculous yeah, amazing. yeah. but ridiculous. prisoners like you did uh, is yeah. one of my favorites just because the layers in that movie of what he does yeah on a visual level and then on an acting level i think yeah. i don't think hugh jackman has ever been better no i was gonna say i was gonna if you hadn't just said that that's literally what i was gonna say it's yeah. probably my favorite hugh jackman performance i've ever oh, yeah. seen he's so good 
Yeah, and Jake Gyllenhaal's in Prisoners Jake as well. Jake Gyllenhaal is amazing in that, and especially with the blinking. Like, yeah. I, I remember noticing it and thinking, yeah. like, what is he doing that for? And then <laughs> right. hearing the backstory of what yeah. was going and I'm going, oh, that is brilliant. That's yeah. really brilliant. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I've seen a bunch of other shit, but, I mean, we'll end up wasting a bunch of time right, talking right, about right. it. So, I think I just at least wanted to get those that handful out and... Uh, I'm glad you brought up the documentaries, though, because I had forgotten I had seen those. Right. Just so you know, and there you go. There you go. So having said that, you know, this was starting off our new season of the show. We're about to end this first episode of the new season. Hooray! We're finally back, and we did We it. did it, and boy, we got a good topic coming up next. Yeah, we do. It's so. pretty geeky. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> So look forward to that later this month, and um, I guess uh, I'm going to hit the Hollywood Hullabaloo ending button. Uh, already? It, it, it seems like it's been three months. <laughs> yeah, all right. So <laughs> good night and good luck. Strike, 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 strike. strike. Attica, Attica. We are in our transmission.